Welcome to Centerpoint Church Podcast. At Centerpoint Church, we are a community of believers impacted by God's saving grace and the love He demonstrated in Jesus Christ. Our response to this amazing grace is to allow it to transform our lives and share it with others. As a body of believers, we find our purpose in knowing Christ, growing together, and reaching beyond ourselves to help others do the same. God gives us life to the fullest. We can live in the middle where apathy grows, or if we truly grasp the abundance God offers, we can live a life where His love, mercy, and grace flow out of us. My name is Jamie Dykstra. I get to serve as lead pastor here for Centerpoint Church, and it's my privilege and honor to welcome you to worship and to open God's Word with you this morning. A special welcome to our Haywarden campus. I'm so grateful that we get to study God's Word together this morning as well. Thank you for welcoming me into your space. And if you're watching on Channel 77 or online, we're so grateful that you chose to to worship this morning, and we're so thankful that you chose to worship with us. Thank you for joining us in worship. And one of the things we want you to join us in is the work of the church. And if you, if you grabbed a worship guide or if you check it out online at wearecenterpoint.com, there's all kinds of ways to engage and get involved in the life and ministry of Centerpoint Church. And I just want to highlight two of them for you this morning. First, um, there are, th- this fall we're starting two adult discipleship opportunities. Um, you can sign up through the worship guide, you can go to Next Steps, you can sign up online, but we're, we're inviting you to, to two different things. One of them is real-life discipleship. It's a great opportunity to work with Pastor Sai and grow in your discipleship as you follow Jesus. The other is faith walking, and, and you're welcome to join us in that as well and grow in your faith and your emotional health, your inward soundness. Um, so please take advantage of these opportunities. Um, the other thing I want to highlight for you this morning is uh, next week we're going to be starting a, a, a series in the book of Ephesians. We're going to focus on Ephesus. And we've, we've developed a study guide for, for groups um, to go through, to go a little deeper as we work through the book. Uh, we'll provide the study guide. What we're asking of you is to volunteer to facilitate a group. So if you'd like to do that, uh, we'd love to empower you to do this work, to disciple people, to have conversations about what God is saying through the word in the book of Ephesians. And... Uh, if you'd like to do that, just reach out directly to Pastor Chris, Chris at wearecenterpoint.com or, or Pastor Sai, Sai at wearecenterpoint.com. You can uh, email the office or call the office. We'd love to help equip you as a church to get in groups and go deeper as we work through the book of Ephesians. This morning, we're in the book of Colossians, actually, uh, real close to the book of Ephesians. If you want to look that up in your Bible, or your preferred electronic device, we're going to be in Colossians chapter 3. We're going to read verses 1 to 4. We're going to jump to 15 to 17. Colossians 3, 1 to 4, 15 to 17. Before we go to God's word, let's ask the Holy Spirit to open our hearts to it. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, may your word be our rule. Your spirit, our teacher. And the glory of Jesus the glory of Jesus, our single concern. Amen. So this is Colossians chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 1. This is Paul writing to a a city called Colossae and uh, helping them as they face some struggles in their faith, in their church, and now speaking to us today. Paul writes, Since then you've been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above 
where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not only, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, since as members of one body you are called to peace. Be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Church, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. For the last few weeks, we've been studying this idea of abundance, specifically the abundance that is ours in Christ Jesus. We've, we've invited you to consider uh, the image of a cup. So if you've got a worship guide, it's right on there. The image of a cup overflowing with more water pouring in, abundance, an image of abundance. And we intentionally titled this series, Glass Half Empty, highlighting the tension between what is offered and what is received what is real what is reality and what is perceived what we what we sense what we see our perception of life in Christ that overflowing cup is the grace in life that Jesus offers anyone who would believe so here's the question and I'm making an assumption maybe this isn't you but here's the question why do why do so many of us choose to live a, a life in Christ that's half empty. The anchor verse in this series has been John 10.10. 10. And if there's one that you want to put on a note card as we finish this series and step into the next one and set it on your mirror or in your car as you go to work or uh, go to school or go to class, John 10.10 10 might be a good one. This is what Jesus says. He's speaking. He says, the thief comes only to steal kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. If this is true, and I believe with all my being that it is, what's keeping us from the abundance that is ours in Christ? If, if Jesus has come that we may have life and have it to the full, why is my life in Christ? Why is yours so often half empty. Why is that our experience? Maybe, maybe you've not yet given your life to Christ. and we, we expect you to be here. We're grateful that you joined us. Maybe you're worshiping with us online. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for being curious. And it's my deep hope that you would give your life to Christ. And we would love to talk to you, to walk through that with you, to invite you into new life in Jesus. That's what, why we exist. We exist, church, to make Christ known. And if that's you today, maybe today's the day. I pray that today is the day where you make Jesus Lord and Savior of your life. Because the word says the promise is for you. The promise is for you. Jesus came so that you would have life and have it to the full. And the promise is for me. It's for us. It's for all who will believe. Jesus came that we would have life and, and have it to the full. But the question remains, why is it? That abundance is offered 
but not received? Why the disconnect between what is offered and, and what is received, between the reality of life in Christ and our experience of life in Christ, our glass half-empty perception of life as those who have been saved by the grace of Jesus? How is it we can be living half-empty lives? How is it even possible? Jesus offers transformation and abundant life, and too often we're content to just dip our toe in the water. You know, maybe it's just me. I don't think it is, though. Jesus offers so much more. So what, what if we embraced it? Paul, the writer of the book of Colossians, writing to this city, and, and within the city, this church in Colossae, um, also wrote a letter to the Ephesians, the, the, the book we're going to study starting next week. And uh, I hope you plan to join us. I think it's going to be great. I'm really looking forward to digging deep into what Paul is doing and writing and, and the struggle of the Ephesian church because it's a struggle we share. But this week I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sneak ahead just a little bit. I'm going to jump into Ephesians just a little. I'm sorry, Chris. I, yeah, I'm, I, I don't. So here's why, Okay. I feel really defeated when I feel like it's just me. Like I'm the only one that struggles with a half-empty life when Christ offers abundance. It's just me. It must, and I, I turn inside. I'm like, oh no, you guys got it all together. It's, it's just me that struggles. And here's the truth. It's not just you, and it's not new. Paul prayed for you. I pray for you. Our church leadership prays for you. And this, this is Paul's prayer. Paul prays, for this reason I kneel before the Father. For this reason, from whom the, his whole family in heaven and earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love, may have power to grasp, together with all the saints, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Can you see how the scripture speaks with one voice? It's the same prayer. And the Greek root here for the word to grasp the Greek root is katalambano. Can you say katalambano? Katalambano. Hey, Warden, come on. Katalambano. Katalambano. Katalambano means to come to understand that which is not understood. To grasp, to know, to come to understand that which is not understood. This is the point of this entire series. We're inviting you to come to understand that which is not understood. To grasp, to know the surpassing with the love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Paul is praying that you may be strengthened with power through the Spirit so that you have power to grasp and know the love of God and to be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. The thief the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. The thief would love it 
if you would settle for less. And the thief does not grow weary in his work. The thief is relentless and half empty. Half empty is exactly where the thief wants you to be. Jesus came so that you may have life and have it to the full. We just read Colossians chapter 3. And in in my Bible, I don't know if you're following along in your own Bible or your preferred electronic device, but in my Bible there are there are chapter headings. Maybe you've seen that as you studied the Bible. There's chapter headings. There are titles to the chapter. And, and here's the thing. The people that put together the books of the Bible, so there's all these letters they put into one volume, and then they translated it from the original languages of Hebrew and Greek into English so that we can actually read it. And then they organized it in a way that we can navigate it. So they put in chapters and, and verses and page numbers and even chapter titles. These chapter titles, they're not original. They're just there to help us um, navigate and remember where we are as we read the Word of God and study about who Jesus is and what he's come to do and what that means for us and for the world as we make Christ known. Do you know what the, in my Bible at least, do you know what the title for chapter 3 is? Does anyone know? It's Rules for Holy Living. (laughs) Rules for Holy Living. It makes me cringe. I die a little bit inside. Rules for holy living. Too often we read the title and we miss the point. And church, I don't want you to miss the point. I believe that the title of this chapter is actually at the heart of the problem of a half-empty life. Instead of grasping and knowing the fullness of the love and grace of Jesus that leads to abundant life, we try to live by the rules. As if we could earn eternal life based on our merit. We have done this before. If you flip a little further back, it's called the Old Testament. It's this amazing story of trying to live by the rules and coming to the realization that we can't. We tried and we tried and we tried and we failed and failed and failed. We cannot save ourselves. We cannot keep the law. There's so much to learn from the Old Testament. I would love for you to engage it. But maybe the most important lesson is that we're incapable of living to the standard of righteousness that God has set. We cannot do it. We cannot do it apart from the grace of Jesus. The law makes it clear that we need a savior. But the thief, the thief is sneaky. The thief has been trying to get us to believe from the very beginning, from the garden, get us to believe that we can find flourishing apart from God. This is the lie, that there is flourishing apart from God. And the thief cannot, if the thief can't get you to, mount, to, to climb up Mount Mammon, if he can't get you to just go all out and pursue a life apart from God, the thief is, is pretty content to leave you stuck somewhere in the middle to leave you in the tension of a half-empty life. The thief invites us as the church to speak of grace, but live by the rules. To talk about grace, but think we're saved by the rules, by the law. Maybe you notice that we skipped several verses. It was Colossians 3, 1 to 4, and then we jumped to 15. We skipped several verses right in the middle, in the middle, on purpose. Those verses contain a list of of virtues and vices. That's a fancy name for really good things and really bad things. These verses contain a list of virtues and vices, things that 
that Christ has called us to put to death as we die with him and things that Christ has called us to put on as we rise with him and clothe yourself in. They are all really important, all of them. But here's the the thing, church. They're a byproduct. They're the result of, they are the fruit of transformation, a fully alive life in Christ. The result of transformation by the grace of Jesus. The thief, the thief wants you to fix your aim on the rules. Just focus on the rules. Where the best you can hope for The very best you can hope for is a half-empty life stuck somewhere in the middle. And the thief is happy to run out the clock. He's happy to, to leave you there and to let you languish there, just to sit there in the middle forever living a half empty life. Paul invites us to more. Jesus has invited us to more, to know, to grasp, and take hold of the love and grace of Jesus. That is our aiming point, church. That is the way to abundance. And when you take hold of the love and grace of Jesus, love and grace will overflow from within you. You'll be transformed from the inside out. The result of this transformation will put to death the things of that old life of sin and clothe you with new life in Christ. Our aim must be the love and grace of Jesus. One commentator I was reading this week made this really clear to me. I hope it's clear to you too. Under the old covenant before Jesus, the law required obedience. The law required obedience in order that you might be saved. So under the law, obedience precedes salvation. Obedience comes before salvation. Under this new covenant of grace in Jesus, we are obedient because We are obedient because we've been saved and created new. Take hold of it, church. This is what Paul's inviting us to. Take hold of that grace of Jesus. Under grace, salvation precedes obedience. Salvation comes first. Take hold of the love and grace of Jesus. That is the aiming point. And when you take hold of the love and grace of Jesus, transformation follows. The ways of that old life will die. When you aim at Jesus, the ways of this new life will emerge, will grow in you. The aiming point for abundance is Jesus. This is what Paul's writes. Back to Colossians chapter 3. Since then you've been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is your life, appears then you will also appear with him in glory. One commentator wrote, to die with Christ is to to sever the link to our old life enslaved to the way of the world. When we die with Christ, when we die to our old life, we are set free from the thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. When we rise in new life in Christ, our eyes are opened to abundant life, a life we were blind to. Paul says, this is your aim. Set your heart, set your mind on things above. Set your mind on Christ. And Paul speaks right out of his experience. He has experienced this, and he wants us to experience this. This is his testimony. If anyone, if anyone was to be considered righteous under the law, it was Paul. His eyes were fixed on earthly things. His focus was on keeping the rules, and he was ruthless. 
Paul didn't know the love and grace of Jesus. Life, his life at best, being the best Pharisee he could be, his life was at best half empty. Paul describes himself as, as the chief sinner among all sinners. Paul persecuted and tried to destroy the church. He oversaw the murder of Christians. In Acts chapter 9, Paul is, it says, spewing murderous threats against the followers of Jesus. And he gets permission to go to Damascus and imprison every Christ follower he can find. But on the way, and I love how God works on the way. I know that you're on the way too, and God's going to meet you there. On the way, God meets Paul, and it says, suddenly, a light from heaven flashed around him, and he meets Jesus, and then he says, and then the, the word says, he opens his eyes, and he realizes that he's blind, and I wonder, he's been blind for an awful long time. But he opens his eyes, I love the imagery, and he realizes that he's blind. I don't know, have you ever had a camera flash? You, it's probably not an iPhone, but I mean, one of those cameras that flash and you're blind, like it's just white. Or you walked out of a dark room and into the light and your eyes haven't adjusted. And all you can see is just the bright, white, blinding light. For a moment, you're blinded. But slowly, things come back into focus. And that's what's happening here with Paul. Slowly, things are coming into focus. Paul meets Jesus. He opens his eyes and realizes that he is blind. Paul's Focus shifts from earning righteousness by keeping the rules to an eyes fixed on the saving grace and love of the risen Jesus. When Paul looks to heaven, he realizes his blindness, and then the scales of self righteousness fall from his eyes, and Paul can finally see that nothing, nothing other than Jesus can bring us from death to life, nothing can. Only Jesus can set us free from the power of sin and death. That Jesus has come. <laughs> Paul realizes that Jesus has come that we may have life and have it to the full. Paul invites us to step into the light. And it's going to be a little bit disorienting. Like you might be blind for a little bit. Things are going to look different. It's going to take a while to, for your eyes to adjust and see the world as it is. And this is what we've been inviting to you. Just see the world as it is. This abundant life that Christ offers, it's going to be a little blinding at first. Paul invites us to step into the light and let your eyes focus because Paul wants you to see. To lift your eyes from a focus on earthly things to a focus on Jesus. To set your heart and your mind on things above. And when, when Christ is your life, that's the invitation. To make Jesus Lord and Savior means Christ is my life. And to live is Christ and to die is gain. And I'm buried in his resurrection. I'm raised to share in his new life. That's what we do when we talk about baptism. We go down with Jesus in his death and we rise to new life in Christ. When Christ is your life, when Christ is your hope, when Christ is your focus, you're going to experience Christ's likeness. The result of this will, will be fruit in your life. You will be transformed. You will know abundance. Paul is not inviting us to make cosmetic changes, and we love to make cosmetic changes. Just look a little different today. Show up like we got it together. I know how to do it. I know you know how to do it too. This is what we do, and this is not the life that Christ has called you to. This is not the death and resurrected life in Jesus Christ. It's not cosmetic. You can't change your makeup you can't put on a wig. It's not what Christ has called you to do. That is not transformation. When, when he's talking about putting on 
the clothing of Christ. It starts from regeneration inside of you, not from the garments that you're wearing. It's internal transformation. Paul invites us to set our hearts and minds on things above, on Jesus, to katalambano, to grasp, to understand something that is not understood. Church, we want you to understand something that is not understood, to grasp and take hold of the love of Christ for you. And when we do, when we take hold of the love of Jesus, we are transformed from the inside out. It's not something you're going to have to work at. It's something that you can't stop. You'll be transformed from the inside out, and the love and grace of Jesus will spring forth from our very souls and flow abundantly and from us. This is what it will look like in the world. From us will flow rivers of peace and gratitude and wisdom and worship and thankfulness. Half empty and half-hearted is no way to live. The thief wants you to live your life in the middle. That's the game plan. And have you thought about the middle? Like actually thought about the middle? The middle is usually the bottom of good and the top of bad. Is that what you want for your life? Do you think that's what Jesus wants for your life? The middle, in my opinion, the middle ultimately leaves us in the middle of nowhere. We're just nowhere. And do you know what grows in the middle when you plant your life in the middle? Do you know what's going to grow in you? The only thing that's going to grow in you? Apathy. The only thing that grows in this half-empty life, lived in the middle, planted in the middle of nowhere, is apathy. It's the only thing that can take root and grow. You have to move. You have to leave the middle. And church, we know, because we have the word, we know what a half-empty, half-hearted life in the middle, where that leads us. We know. Paul in Colossians chapter 2, so just the chapter before we read this morning, mentions the town of Laodicea. He writes, I want you to know how much I'm struggling for you and for those at Laodicea. And I, I, I bring this up because I want you to understand the region in which um, Christ is ministering these people through the power of his spirit and Paul is engaging these churches and, and Laodicea is a town um, next to Colossae and Hierapolis and Hierapolis is famous. Go check it out. Go Google it today. It's famous for these water pools that are lukewarm. That are beautiful. Um, but this letter that Paul's writing to the church in, in Colossae would have been shared among the believers in the fellowship in Laodicea and, and also Hierapolis and the, the surrounding churches. And Colossians and Paul, Colossians invites us to a Christ-focused abundant life. They would have known and heard that, just like we now know and heard, because the, the letter's been shared with us here in Iowa. We know that God, that Christ has invited us to uh, grab hold of a life of abundance in him. Now another, another biblical writer named John wrote a book called Revelation. So Paul, Paul invites us and John warns us. John warns us of the consequences because they're real. The consequences of a half-empty, half-hearted life in the middle. What is that going to do as a, to us as a church, to our witness, as we live to make Christ known? Well, this is, this is Revelation chapter 3. To the angel of the church in Laodicea, right? 
These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing, but you do not realize, you don't see that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I overcame and sat with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches to us. Jesus stands at the door and knocks. Stop living in the tension between what is offered and what is received. Stop living in the middle. The reality is Jesus has come that you may have life and have it to the full. Church, we don't want something from you. We want something for you. We've tried to show you this is what we want for you. We want abundant life in Christ. We want you to see it. And we don't want you to blink. We want you to see it, to perceive it, to katalambano, to take hold of it, to grasp, to know and hear, to understand what has not been understood. It's not just you. I pray that out of the glorious riches of Jesus, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit to take hold of the love and grace that is yours in Jesus. Let's not be a people that talk about grace and live by the rules. Because we've been saved, we live in obedience, not we live in obedience in order to be saved. Let's take hold of the love and grace of Jesus that is yours in his death we die with him into that old way of life. When we take hold of Jesus, we die with him in that old way of life. And in his resurrection, we rise with him to new life. And things will grow. The invitation this morning is simple. Open your eyes and fix them and focus them on Jesus. And he will transform you abundantly from the inside out. Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for the love and grace that is ours in your Son and our Savior, Jesus. I pray that you'd meet us this morning, that you'd interrupt our lives as we are on the way, and that we would be blinded or be aware of our blindness in order that you might open our eyes to see what grace is, and the abundance that is ours in Christ Jesus. And Spirit, I pray that you'd give us power to grasp, to know 
this grace and love that is ours in Jesus, and it would take root in the center of who we are, and from that place, grace and love would flow from us like rivers of peace and thanksgiving and worship and gratitude. God, that from the center of who we are, you would transform us, and that old way of life would die, that we would reject the middle, but give our hearts wholeheartedly to the work of Christ. Lift our eyes this morning, Jesus, to you, to things above that you've called us to. And no matter what we do or where we go or how you've called us to be strategically planted throughout this community, God, I pray that the love and grace of Jesus would just flow from us because our eyes are fixed on things above. We have perspective. We've fully taken hold of the grace that is ours. And when we do, we have more than enough. So God, help us to live lives of of abundance in you. We pray this through the power of the Spirit. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thanks for listening to the Centerpoint Church Podcast. Be sure to keep up with us on social media at facebook.com slash wearecenterpoint or on Instagram at wearecenterpoint. We hope to see you soon in person for worship on Sundays at 930.